It's July 2nd, 2021. The town of Blue Point sits on the south side of Long Island, New York. With long stretches of picture postcard beaches, it's been an idyllic place for 22-year-old Gabby Petito to grow up. But Gabby has long since had dreams that stretch far outside of her hometown. Together with fiancé, 23-year-old Brian Laundrie, she has a summer of adventure and discovery planned. It won't be the first time she has spread her wings and flown the nest. The couple already have several long road trips under their belts from the previous two years. This one, though, is going to be special. Gabby has big plans. She wants to use this trip to kickstart her blog and chase her dream of being a travel influencer. She'll be sharing the road with Brian, but sharing their experiences with the world via social media platforms like Instagram and YouTube. Their home for the next four months sits on the driveway, a converted transit van, complete with a mattress in the back. Gabby and Brian load it up with everything they think they'll need. Food, books, a hammock, and even a guitar. Once that's done, the pair hop inside. They pull out of the driveway and hit the road, all smiles and excitement for the journey ahead. The route they have picked out will see them head west, traveling through a range of national parks, and taking in some of the most beautiful scenery America has to offer. But their picture-perfect plans won't pan out quite how they envisaged. In a horrifying twist, less than two months from now, both Gabby and Brian will be reported missing. As a nationwide search tries to track them down, everyone asks the same question. What's happened to the young couple? Have they got lost in the depths of one of the national parks they visited? Perhaps they've eloped to tie the knot. Or maybe there's a more sinister reason behind their sudden disappearance. One that means they might not make it out unharmed. These questions will be left unanswered for months until an unexpected deathbed confession arises. One which claims to know exactly what happened. At the moment of death, people often have an overwhelming need to get their biggest secret off their chests. From murder, fake identities, illicit affairs, and even government cover-ups, this show dives deep into the world's most explosive deathbed confessions. This is the story of Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie, of the words one of them wrote before they died. It's about a young couple who set off on a cross-country trip an adventure of a lifetime that went horribly wrong. A journey captured online for the world to see. And the dark reality that can lurk beneath the glossy filters of social media. I'm Estefania Hagman, and this is Deathbed Confessions. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. 
Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie first meet in high school in Bayport, New York. While there, they're just friends. It's not until after they both graduate that it becomes something more. In 2019, Gabby, aged 20, and Brian, aged 21, reconnect. What begins as friends hanging out with each other blossoms into a relationship, and they soon start dating. They have a shared love of traveling and seeing new places. Gabby likes to document her travels on the social media platform, Instagram. Between March and December 2019, she posts pictures of their trip across the country, everywhere from North Carolina to Texas and Colorado to Nevada. They are shots to be envious of. The smiling couple stand before backdrops of soaring mountains, picturesque sunsets, and sparkling seashores. In Brian, it seems she's found her perfect companion. Her parents see him as a safe pair of hands to look after their daughter on the road. So much so that before the year is out, they agree that Gabby can move in with Brian and his folks in their home in Northport, Florida. The following year is much the same. They travel as if not wanting to stand still too long, starting off 2020 in California. Pictures pop up onto her Insta profile, snapshots in time of a life being well-lived. Restaurants in Santa Monica in January followed by the beautiful backdrop of Pismo Beach in February. The couple head back to Florida to celebrate Gabby's 21st birthday in March. Four months later, she posts a picture of the two of them, announcing that they're engaged. But if the last 12 months have shown anything, it's that Gabby appears happiest when she's on the move, with Brian by her side. Rather than start to plan a wedding, they begin to map out and save for their next trip. Although they don't stay in luxury hotels on their travels, these trips don't come cheap. Gabby and Brian set about working every hour they can to pay for it. She does 50-hour weeks at the local Taco Bell, and Brian works at a juice bar. Because their journey is all about the experience, not just the destination, they buy a transit van in December. The plan is to kit it out for the road trip ahead. They'll sleep in it as well as drive it. For the next six months, everything is geared up around preparing for their cross-country adventure. Then finally, 
in the summer of 2021, they're ready to depart. All Gabby needs now is to decide on a catchy hashtag to slap on any posts along the way. She decides to keep it simple, hoping it'll get her trending. Hashtag van life. It's time to hit the road. Gabby and Brian set off on July 2nd, 2021, heading west for their adventure. They chart their progress on Instagram as they go. Gabby has around 1,000 followers already, but she's hoping that number will grow by the time they get back to Florida. They travel through Kansas and Colorado, ending up in Utah by mid-July. Along the way, they pass through areas of outstanding beauty, much of it captured on camera. The majority of the pictures feature only Gabby, with Brian taking the snaps. Her post on July 16th features her against the backdrop of the Zion National Park. Azure blue skies contrast with the rugged reddish cliff faces. She and Brian splash through streams carved into rock and sit on high peaks that overlook the canyons. In most of the pictures, Gabby is smiling. In others, she looks peaceful, content, as if everything she could ever want in life is bundled up inside the van they call home. All the while, she checks in with her mom, Nicole, every few days. She sends her pictures that don't make it onto the filtered Insta feed, shares their next destinations, and FaceTimes whenever she has signal. But on July 31st, almost four weeks into the trip, something strange happens. Gabby's socials go dark. For nearly two weeks, there's nothing online. No tweets, no posts. Her last tagged post is in a spot known as Mesa Arch, a famous rock formation in the Arches National Park in Utah. For someone who's trying to build a strong social media presence and gather new followers, this abrupt end to her feed is strange. Why has Gabby stopped posting? Is it possible that there's trouble in paradise? It's August 12, 2021. The city of Moab, Utah is a gateway of sorts into the Arches National Park. It lies around 40 miles north of Mesa Arch. Today, officers from the Moab Police Department are cruising along a stretch of highway near the entrance to the park. They're looking for a white camper van and a distressed young couple. Mixed reports from witnesses in town have alerted officers to an altercation between a man and a woman. Apparently, they were having a heated argument in the street. There are suggestions that the dispute escalated quickly. There was shouting, swearing, and even physical violence. Concerned that one or maybe both of the couple could be in serious danger, the officers scanned the highway carefully, searching for any sign of the van. Finally, they spotted up ahead and flick on their lights to signal that it should pull over. Officers get out of the car, and one of them approaches the van's passenger side, gesturing for the young lady inside to open her window. The conversations that follow are all captured on body cam. The occupants identify themselves as Gabby Petito and Brian Laundry. It's immediately obvious that Gabby is upset. She's crying, sniffing back the tears as best she can. Brian looks nervous, but nowhere near as emotional as Gabby. When the officer asks her what's up, she replies that they've been fighting over some personal issues. He asks her to step out of the vehicle, leaving Brian behind the wheel. 
Sporadic traffic zips past as Gabby follows him back towards the police cruiser. Gabby tells the officer that she and Brian have been fighting all morning. She's stressed about the amount of work it's taking to build her website. And apparently, Brian doesn't believe in what she's trying to do with her blog. Gabby explains to officers that she is prone to anxiety, sometimes triggered by her OCD. It didn't help her stress levels when Brian had tried to lock her out of the vehicle, although he claims this was only to allow them both to take a breather. Gabby does, however, confirm that she punched Brian in the arm out of frustration when the officer had signaled them to pull over. She also says that she hit him first when they were arguing in town, adding that after she did, he grabbed her face. As Gabby explains her story to the officers, a second cruiser pulls up and Brian is asked to step out. Officers keep the pair apart, but feel as though they need to get his version of events. As Brian explains about their fight, the officer notices scratches on his face. These, Brian tells them, happened by accident when he and Gabby were shoving each other back in town. A combination of her phone and the rings on her hand that caught him. After around 20 minutes of going back and forth between the two, officers regroup to discuss what to do. When they're done, they leave Gabby in one of the police cruisers and go back to address Brian. They tell him that the facts as they see it paint Gabby as the aggressor. Under Utah state law, officers should issue a no-contact order, which can only be waived by Brian in person at a police station the following day. This means that Brian and Gabby will not be allowed to see each other for at least 12 hours. Despite the seriousness of it, Brian seems fairly relaxed. He laughs and jokes with the officers as they spell out what will happen now. Brian is clear he doesn't want to press any charges. He promises to sign whatever he needs in order to get his fiance back at the earliest possible opportunity. Eventually, one of the officers goes back to where Gabby sits, sniffling inside the police cruiser. He tells her that Brian is choosing not to charge her today, but that she and her fiance need some time apart to cool off. They've not been allowed to talk to each other at any point in this exchange which has now been going on for around 60 minutes, and that's going to continue. The officer has arranged a hotel room for Brian, while Gabby will stay in the van. He asks that the couple don't contact each other until the morning. Because the officer is not citing her, none of this is legally binding, but both Gabby and Brian agree to abide by his requests. Gabby does pass a message on via one of the officers, though, Simply that she loves Brian and is looking forward to seeing him tomorrow. Brian replies with the same. From here, he's driven to a nearby hotel and thanks the officer. As far as we know, Gabby and Brian follow the officer's suggestion and take the opportunity of some time apart to decompress. Perhaps unsurprisingly, none of this tension has been reflected on her Insta-feed. That still remains as far as her followers are concerned, a window into Gabby and Brian living the dream. On August 17th, five days after they were pulled over by the cops, Brian boards a plane to Florida. He heads back home to close down a storage unit the couple rent, hoping to save costs in case they extend their trip. Gabby checks into a motel near Salt Lake City International Airport. 
she doesn't share anything on Insta while he's away. She does, however, launch their YouTube channel. She posts an eight-minute clip featuring a montage of scenic shots and selected sound bites about their journey so far. This short video seems to capture the essence of their life on the road. Yoga at sunrise, camping in the wild, battling the elements, running over sand dunes. The happy couple is always in the act of holding hands, laughing, or kissing. But anything can look good with the right filter. It will only be a matter of days until the true, unfiltered version of Gabby and Brian's life starts to emerge. It's August 27th. Brian and Gabby are back together and back on the road. They've driven 300 miles north and are approaching Grand Teton National Park, where they stop off in the town of Jackson Hole, Wyoming for a bite to eat. They grab a table in a little Tex-Mex restaurant, but it isn't long until things start to go south. Brian has a falling out with staff. Why exactly isn't clear, but whatever the reason, he isn't handling it well. The other customers whisper in hushed tones, casting sideway glances at him as he yells at one of the waitresses. Gabby, by contrast, is crying, and it looks as if she's apologizing to staff for his behavior. Whatever has set him off, he's furious. After a while, he storms out, only to return moments later to continue the argument. He repeats this three more times until he finally leaves for good. A distraught Gabby apologizes to the waitress and follows Brian outside. She looks shell-shocked, almost at breaking point. The other diners stare at the door for a moment, wondering if it's over. When neither Brian or Gabby return, they get back to their meals. The staff and clientele don't know it yet, but they've just become the last people to see Gabby and Brian together. Hi listeners, Estefania here. We hope you enjoy this trailer for Noiser's new show, Detectives Don't Sleep. Listen wherever you get your podcasts with new episodes airing every Tuesday. What makes a great detective? If you arrived at a crime scene, would you have what it takes to crack the case wide open? Would you spot the vital clue that everyone else has missed? Could you unravel the suspect's perfect alibi? And could you confront a murderer? Introducing Detectives Don't Sleep, the new whodunit podcast from Noiser. Each week, we'll take you beyond the police tape to shadow the real detectives who worked history's most intriguing cases. You'll be right there, solving a murder on the beaches of the Bahamas, busting neo-Nazi art dealers in the back streets of Europe, and unmasking con men in Beverly Hills. These detectives, they all have one thing in common. They can never truly rest until they've closed the case. Listen to Detectives Don't Sleep wherever you get your podcasts. 
This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Later that same day, Gabby's mom, Nicole, gets a text from her daughter that makes her frown. It reads, Can you help Stan? I just keep getting his voicemails and missed calls. Stan is Gabby's grandfather, but she never refers to him by his first name. It's puzzling. And when her mom texts back, there's no response. She tries not to give it a second thought after that, not wanting to worry without reason. However, as the days creep past and there is no more contact from Gabby, Nicole starts to worry. On August 30th, she gets another text from Gabby's phone. It simply reads, no service in Yosemite. Could this explain why she can't contact her daughter? At least she knows they are now in California. Just to be sure, Nicole checks Gabby's Insta account, but the last thing she posted there is from a few days earlier, dated August 26th. It's a picture of Gabby smiling as usual, holding a knitted pumpkin, The caption reads, Happy Halloween. Strange seeing as it's August, not October. Also strange about the post is, unlike many of Gabby's previous pictures, it isn't tagged with a location. Friends and family try to reassure Nicole that the lack of contact is just because Gabby and Brian are traveling through remote countryside and signal is patchy in the mountains. By the time a week has passed though, with no news from Gabby, Nicole is really starting to get concerned. As well as continuing to try and call her daughter, she rings Brian and his parents too, but gets no response from them either. The radio silence is too much for her to bear. Her gut is telling her something isn't right. So on September 11th, two weeks after Gabby's last text message, she reports her daughter as missing. Police in Long Beach are quick to respond to Nicole's report. They start looking into her last known whereabouts and make phone calls to Brian's family to confirm the information. Later that same evening, a detective visits Gabby's mom to update her. Nicole explains to him that, as well as worrying about her daughter, she's concerned for Brian too. But at the mention of Brian's name, the detective looks confused. Then, he drops a bombshell that makes no sense. Brian isn't missing. He's at his parents' home in Florida, along with the van he and Gabby have been traveling in. As it turns out, he's been there since September 1st, almost two weeks. This revelation hits Nicole hard. All she wants to know now is where Gabby is. Surely Brian must know. Before she gets a chance to ask him, there's a second bombshell. Not only is Brian not talking to the police, but he's also retained a lawyer. For what purpose exactly isn't clear. His parents simply hand the lawyer's contact details to the police, but say nothing more. 
the news is devastating. It makes no sense. Why would Gabby's fiance, the man they loved and trusted to look out for her, return home alone and refuse to share any information on her whereabouts? In the absence of information from Brian, the police do what they can. A car is stationed along the street from his parents' house to keep tabs on him. They even set up cameras in neighboring yards to watch the house. Out west in Wyoming, authorities start searching in and around the Tetons based on what they have as Gabby's last confirmed location. It's a huge area though, and finding her will be no easy feat. At some point, news of Gabby's disappearance leaks to the press. Before long, the case starts to make headlines across the country. The image of a picture-perfect couple contrasting with Brian's strange silence creates an intriguing story. It's not just mainstream news either. Countless users on Instagram and other platforms like TikTok discuss the case avidly. Several witnesses come forward as a result of the coverage. One woman claims she gave Brian a ride on August 29th in the vicinity of Grand Teton National Park, Wyoming. This was two days after he'd argued with restaurant staff in Jackson Hole. Only this time, he was alone. No sign of Gabby. Could they have had another row that led to her running off? And if so, where would she have fled to? As the investigation grows, the Laundry family maintain their wall of silence, even after Brian is declared a person of interest on September 15th. But officials don't have any evidence to arrest him, so they can't force him to talk. On September 16th, Gabby's family attend a press conference with police, during which they beg Brian to come forward and tell them whatever he knows. Then, just one day later, on September 17th, the Laundry family surprise everyone by breaking their silence and calling the police. They ask officers to come to their house. Maybe they're going to finally talk about Gabby. However, the Laundries have yet another bombshell to report. Brian Laundry is now missing. He disappeared three days ago, on Tuesday, September 14th. After hearing this shocking news, more police head over to the laundry house in Florida. They're baffled as to how Brian could have slipped past both the cameras and the surveillance car they'd set up outside of his family home. Reporters swarm across the lawn as officers head in. When the door opens, they take the chance to shout out questions demanding where Gabby is but the only answer they get is the front door slamming shut. According to his parents, Brian left to go on a hike on Tuesday, September 14th, and never returned. It transpires that the officers watching the house had indeed seen him leave, but mistook him at a distance for his mom. It's a huge error that has let a potential suspect slip through their fingers. In a surreal parallel, a search kicks off in Florida for Brian now, even as the one for Gabby continues in Wyoming. The race is on. Who will be found first, or have both vanished without a trace? 
What bearing, if any, does Brian's disappearance have on Gabby's? Authorities looking for Brian scour the Carlton Reserve in Florida. It's an area he's familiar with and has hiked in before. The scale of their challenge is huge. 24,000 acres of wetland, forest, and swamps. By contrast, teams searching for Gabby are combing their way through grassy plains and woodland, with the peaks of the Teton Range towering above. With two areas as vast as the Tetons in Wyoming and Carlton Reserve in Florida, it's going to be difficult to cover every square inch. It's possible both search teams will come up empty-handed. Then comes a stroke of luck. A Floridian couple who had been traveling in Wyoming in August see the press coverage. It triggers a memory of a white van with Florida plates that they'd driven past on a remote road. They've even captured it on dash cam footage. The couple call the FBI who immediately divert their resources to the area the van was spotted in. It's the lead detectives have been searching for, but tragically, that doesn't mean good news. On September 19th, 24 days after Gabby was last seen in public, a tragic discovery is made. A search team has found what they believe to be Gabby's body near a popular camping spot in the Tetons. It's just 300 meters from where the van had been parked. This horrific outcome is what everyone had been dreading. A young life cut short in the middle of what was supposed to be the trip of a lifetime. Two days later, Gabby's identity is confirmed in an autopsy. The coroner says that her death is a homicide, although they won't reveal an actual cause of death for another month. When they do, they'll claim that Gabby was killed by manual strangulation and had been dead for between three and four weeks by the time she was found. For the moment, though, there are still so many unanswered questions, both for police and Gabby's family. Who killed her and why? Naturally, suspicions are directed at Brian Laundrie. All eyes are now on Carlton Reserve in Florida in the hope that Brian will turn up soon with the answers that Gabby's family and friends desperately need. On September 23rd, two days after the autopsy, an arrest warrant is issued for Brian Laundrie. But perhaps surprisingly, it's not related to Gabby's death. Instead, he's wanted for fraud. Police have discovered that money was taken from Gabby's account after the time they believe she was killed. Brian is the only suspect they have on that front. It's alleged that he withdrew and spent around $1,000 using Gabby's bank card after her death. Hardly a smoking gun, but it's sufficient to label him a fugitive from the law. Authorities obtain an additional warrant to search his parents' house and take away a number of items for examination. But there's nothing immediately obvious that links him to Gabby's death. While they continue a painstaking sweep of the Carlton Reserve, Gabby's family has to start coming to terms with the fact she's gone and all that comes with that. A memorial service is held for Gabby on September 27th in her hometown of Long Island, New York. Her stepfather is in the fire service, 
and dozens of his colleagues have turned out in their dress uniforms to pay their respects to Gabby. In a touching gesture, two fire engines are parked beside the funeral home, one on each side of the building, framing the entrance for mourners as they walk in. She's remembered as a happy girl with a love of adventure. I want you to be inspired by Gabby, says her dad, addressing the crowd. If there's a trip that you guys want to take, take it now. Do it now while you've got the time. In the aftermath, her family announces the creation of the Gabby Petito Foundation. Its aim will be to offer resources and guidance to parents with missing children and help victims of domestic abuse. That they do this so soon after her death speaks to their incredible strength and fortitude. If there's just one, her dad Joe Petito says, just one, then maybe it's worth it. All they're left with now are memories of Gabby and the hope that Brian will turn up and be able to fill in the blanks around what happened to her and what involvement, if any, he had in her death. The search for Brian continues in Florida. Days turn into weeks and there's no sign of Brian anywhere. The FBI returns to the laundry's house to get items belonging to Brian. They need something with his scent to help the canine search and rescue team track him down. On October 7th, Brian's dad travels to Carlton to join the search. The police hope that with his knowledge of trails Brian has hiked before or spots he has camped at, it might help focus their efforts. The time and resources thrown at the manhunt is huge. Authorities use everything at their disposal. Drones, airboats, swamp buggies and helicopters. It's stressful, tiring work, but officers continue with grim determination. Incredibly, there are several other grisly discoveries made during this extensive search. Authorities reveal that in total, nine other bodies have been found, all unrelated to Gabby and Brian. Some are people that have gotten into difficulties while out hiking but several are identified as murder victims. Whether they would ever have been found if so much manpower hadn't been thrown at finding Brian and Gabby is anyone's guess. As for the main search at hand though, authorities continue with no luck. Due to Gabby's cause of death, suspicion is mounting regarding the role Brian may have played. But until they find him, they cannot know for sure if he was her killer. Then finally, on October 20th, almost two months after Gabby's disappearance, and 37 days after Bryant went missing, there's a breakthrough. Investigators trudge along a trail that Brian is known to have frequented when they spot something. They move closer to take a look and discover what looks like human remains. Close by are a number of items, personal effects. Among them, are a backpack and a notebook that they identify as having belonged to Brian. The search is over, but there's still one question. If these remains are Brian, will Gabby's family ever find the answers they so deserve? Twenty-four hours later, on October 21st, the remains found are confirmed to be Brian's. After the hectic pace of the investigation and search, 
things seem to be in slow motion by comparison now. It's another month before authorities confirm how Brian died. The cause of death was a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. It's still not clear whether anything investigators have found gives insight into how the trip of a lifetime went so tragically wrong. For that, Gabby's family will have to wait another two months. And when it comes, there's no better source for the information. It's straight from Brian himself via the notebook found with his body. A deathbed confession from beyond the grave. On January 21st, 2022, the FBI reveals that Brian's notebook contains a confession of sorts. Apparently, he's written entries that reveal what happened out there in the Tetons. It's what some had long suspected, but had been unable to prove. That Brian killed Gabby. Allegedly, he tried to make it seem as though she was still alive by sending text messages on her phone. The official statement from the FBI reads, The investigation did not identify any other individuals other than Brian Laundrie directly involved in the tragic death of Gabby Petito. As far as they're concerned, this tragic case is now closed. Of course, it's hardly that simple for those directly affected. Gabby's family have all had to watch this play out in public, been badgered by journalists camped outside their houses, and now still face a torturous wait for information. In the aftermath of the tragedy, the body cam footage from the traffic stop in Utah back on August 12th is made public, causing many to ask whether more could have and should have been done to intervene. Could Gabby's death have been prevented if officers had handled it any differently? Her parents certainly think so. Finally, in June 2022, there's an unexpected development in the case. The Laundry family lawyer releases pictures of the actual notebook. The words that Brian wrote before taking his own life are broadcast for the world to see. These pages with Brian's handwriting scrawled messily across the lines, filling every last inch of space, give details about the tragedy. In the notebook confession, Brian's writing gives his version of events. He talks about Gabby having seriously injured herself in a fall while they were in Wyoming. He claims she stumbled into a stream and disappeared for a time underwater. When he managed to get her out, he says she had a lump on her head that grew bigger as time passed. According to Brian, Gabby was gasping in pain and begging for a way to stop it. I don't know the extent of Gabby's injuries, only that she was in extreme pain, Brian wrote. I ended her life. I thought it was merciful, that it was what she wanted. But now I see all the mistakes I made. He goes on to say that he chose to end his life rather than live without her. However, not everyone is convinced Brian's confession is an accurate reflection of events. Some say it's an attempt to gloss over the truth, to rewrite reality. Experts quoted in the press say it reads far more like him trying to find a way to justify his actions 
rather than a genuine belief that he did what was right at the time. Gabby's mom, Nicole, finds it about as far from credible as you can get. She tweets that she's fed up and includes a quote that reads, Narcissists rewrite history to escape accountability. For Gabby's parents, this isn't the closure they want or need. They feel their little girl has been let down, that there are those who could have done more to save her. Nicole files three lawsuits in what remains of 2022. The first is a wrongful death lawsuit against the Moab Police Department, alleging that officers failed to properly handle the 911 call when the witnesses saw the pair fighting. The second is against Brian's parents, claiming that they withheld information about Gabby's death and attempted to help their son flee justice. The third is against Brian's estate in a wrongful death claim. In November 2022, in the case against Brian's estate, a judge rules in favor of Gabby's parents to the tune of $3 million. It's unclear whether Brian's estate has sufficient funds to cover that, and there's little detail as to what is or isn't actually paid. Then, four months later, in February 2023, Gabby's parents release an as-yet-unseen picture of their daughter. In light of what we know now, it's all the more heartbreaking. The snap is a selfie, taken eight minutes before the traffic stop on August 12th. In it, Gabby gazes into the camera, her face a crumpled mix of emotions. The skin around her left eye is clearly bruised and scratched. At present, the lawsuit against the police and Brian's parents are still ongoing. Whatever the outcome of litigation, nothing can bring Gabby Petito back. What her parents have to cling onto are the happy memories of the time they had in their lives and the gallery of snapshots that still grace her social media accounts. The cruel irony is that in death, her online influence has skyrocketed. The one and only video on her YouTube channel has since been viewed over several million times, and her thousand or so Insta followers swelled to over a million after the nation took up the search for her. Thanks to her parents' strength and determination to help others, the Gabby Petito Foundation is now known to the world, and her heartbreaking story might help others escape similarly tragic situations. As her father puts it, if he did truly have something to do with Gabby's death, it's not going to bring her back to me. So it doesn't change the focus that we should have. And that's just making a difference. Next week on Deathbed Confessions, we meet Joe West. West grows up on the sunny streets of Long Beach, committing petty crime and spending his years in and out of prison. With no job, partner, or family, there's just one constant in West's life, a friendship with a man called Oscar Lee Morris. However, when Morris spills a dark, shameful secret, one which could send him straight to death row, Joe West must make a decision. Can he keep his best friend's secret? Or will he betray his trust? Find out next week on Deathbed Confessions.
Deathbed Confessions is a Spotify original from Parcast, produced in partnership with Noiser. Executive produced by Max Cutler, Drew Cole, and Pascal Hughes. Developed by Julian Boireau for Parcast. Series produced by Addison Nugent. Associate producer, Nicole Edmonds. Written by Rob Scrag. Supervising editor, Jane O. Sound supervisor, Tom Pink. Sound design by Cody Reynolds Shaw. Edited by Carla Flores and Rob Plummer. Mix master by Cody Reynolds Shaw. Music by Oliver Baines and Dory McCauley. 